Welcome to the Living Stones podcast. These are a recording of our Sunday morning meetings. We pray that these will be a blessing to you. So please, enjoy listening. If you want to know more, please contact us at office at livingstoneschurch.co.uk. Hello everyone. Big welcome to everyone, one and all. I'm sure there will be more joining us as we go along, but... um, Martin, think. Green. Hold it up there. That's the idea. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, everyone, welcome very much to Livingstone's Church this morning. And uh, we're particularly uh, pleased and delighted that our friends from the past, uh, Alison and Dave, have come to join us this morning. And they're going to really lead us through. So that will be really something that we can all enjoy. So um, I'll be passing over to Alison in a second. But before I do, can we just say together, I will say God is here and you say his spirit is with us. Okay. We do that three times. God is here. God is here. God is here. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we give the morning to you. We're here for you. Every minute of every day is for you. But together, here we are now, gathered together, and uh, we're looking forward to being together in your presence. Thank you, Father, for your wonderful character, your wonderful heart, and uh, the wonderful salvation that you've given us. We give you praise and thanks. Amen. Amen. So, um, Alison, did you want to come? Dave, Dave. Well, thank you so much, Sue, for that lovely introduction. It's great to be with you again for me. I came a month or so ago. Had a wonderful time here, and this time Alison is able to be with us, and she'll be speaking later. But we're going to lead some worship, and we're going to learn a new song by an up-and-coming young songwriter called Graham Kendrick. (laughs) I'm sure he'll go far. (laughs) It's a nice, simple one, but very much on the theme of what Alison will be sharing later, called We Have a Strong and Certain Hope. The verse is easy because it's two parts which repeat. Lord Jesus, we thank you for that declaration that you are alive, that death could not hold you, that Father could not allow his Holy One to see decay, but raised him up to life. Thank you, Jesus, that by your Spirit, you're here with us now. Holy Spirit, come and work among us this morning, we pray. We want to give you, Lord Jesus, all the praise, the glory, the honor, the power, the majesty, the might, which are rightfully yours, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. The psalmist says, come magnify the Lord with me. We will magnify the Lord in Zion. Lord, yeah, we thank you, Lord. You do. You reign over all. And uh, that includes this tiny, tiny fraction of our world that's right here and now. And uh, we praise your name, Lord. We thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. And uh, Lord, here we are, your people. We're your people, Lord. We are your Zion in this small place here. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, so this morning we're going to have our short time of family time together now and uh, then we will probably have time for a small coffee break and then we'll be handing over to uh, our guests this morning uh, Dave and Alison thank you Lord so family time Uh, we're talking at family time this term about uh, different animals that are in the Bible and today we've got goats So, what is there to say about goats? (laughs) So, we're going to have a few 
uh, a few facts about goats, and then I'm going to have a quiz. So if you could all really make sure you listen to these facts, because nothing I ask in the quiz will not have been mentioned by the facts that I share with you. So, apparently, goats do not make good pets. They're very noisy and they're destructive. They don't like rain and they want shelter. They get lonely, apparently. So you need to have two if you do want to keep them on your farm, in your garden or in your kitchen. <laughs> so they get lonely. Um, apparently, they're the most commonly eating, eaten meat in the world. So all over the world, people who eat most meat eat goat meat. And apparently, it's very tasty. And they're very useful because they produce milk and cheese. So, what does the Bible tell us about goats? Well, they do have a spiritual meaning. We're going to look at that now. So, on one special day called the Day of Atonement, God's people needed two goats. One of those goats was chosen to be a scapegoat. Now, does any can anyone tell me what is a scapegoat? How do we define scapegoat? Anyone? Anyone? Anyone know? Jess is sitting about. Do you know what a scape scapegoat is? No. Okay. Well, I'll have one of yes, yeah, somebody who takes the place of someone else. They're not really, it's not really them. Yeah, that's good. An innocent person that takes the blame. A, yeah, it's called a scapegoat. So that will give you a hint. Okay. Now, in uh, Leviticus chapter 16, 20 to 22, we read uh, what God said to uh, Moses' brother Aaron. And he was in charge of all the priests. So Aaron was in charge of the priests, Moses' brother. Okay. And this is what it says. This is what God said to Aaron. Aaron shall bring forward a live goat. He must lay both hands on the head of the goat and confess over the goat all the wickedness of the people, all their sins, and put wickedness and sins onto the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the wilderness in the care of a man appointed for this task. The goat will carry all the people's sins to a solitary place where the man will let it go. Now, the goat itself was not sinful, was it? but it carried our sins or their sins, the sins of the people. So that's why it's called a scapegoat. So can you think, I'm sure you can, of someone else who was not sinful but took away our sins? The answer is Jesus. The answer is always Jesus, <laughs> always Jesus. This time it really is Jesus. So Jesus was a scapegoat, wasn't he, actually? He was a scapegoat. Praise God for him. Right then. So if someone could come and help me, just put that, could you, yeah, just put that table in front of there. Now, it, it, sorry, put the table, sorry, the, the other, the table, sorry. That table, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, you go, yeah, you, got to you have, you've got to read my mind. In front of here, like this. Oh, really? Oh, it doesn't say that. Okay, because it's uh, today is a football day. Those of you who follow Brighton, they're at Wembley right now with some of our congregation, and um, they <laughs> the empty seats. 
the exercise. So um, we're going to have a football quiz. Okay. So I'm going to divide you into two halves. <laughs> this half and this half. Okay. So uh, first question on this side. Why don't goats make good pets? Yep. And yes, Jess at the back. Well done, they're very loud. Well done. So what you do this side, this can be Brighton, this can be Man United. So, uh, so you come and you, ch you choose one of the goals and uh, you, you kick a goal into the, into the goal. So Jess, come, come forward. Choose, choose a goal. Choose, a, choose a, uh, a ball, a football. Right, while you're doing that, uh, the question for this side. So it's one of the pink ones. Yeah, take it off. Yeah. Look on the back. How many goals did you score? Oh, no. An own goal. <laughs> okay. 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 Uh, yeah. Okay. Don't worry. There's more to come. Okay. Next question. What do goats produce? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, don't call out. Let the ch So what were you going to say, Emily? Milk and cheese. Come forward. Come and choose Manchester United's goal. Okay, keep moving. What was the special day in the Old Testament when two goats were needed? Jess, you are on this team. What was the special day called? The day of atonement. Well done, Jess. Come on. <laughs> How many points did Emily score? Amelia, Amelia, I'm so sorry. I'm, 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 come on, Jess, you come and take another one. Amelia scored. Oh, another own goal. Oh, dear. Okay. Oh, no, it's a plus one. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not doing very well here. Go, right. oh, yeah. oh, no. Oh, Jess, this was a no goals. <laughs> sorry. You're not doing well there. <laughs> So this side, what was the name given to one of the goats? Yes, Amelia, sorry. Uh, yes, good, a scapegoat. Thomas, do you want to come up? No, okay, come on then, Amelia. Right, okay. This side, while you choose your goals. Ooh. Two, two. Manchester United, I hope this isn't a prophecy, as you say. Two, three, three, four nil, actually, to the Greens. Oh, dear. Right. Um, this side, then. Who was Aaron? Go on. Yeah, yeah, good. He was the high priest. Well done. What did Aaron have to do before the goat was sent away? <laughs> you got a two. Well done. Yes. Excellent. Good listening. Yes, he had to put there his hands. Well done. He put his hands on the goat's head. Right, another question. You come up and, that's right, come up. What, um, where did the goat go after Aaron had laid his hands on Shannon? Where did the goat go? Wilderness. Yes, well done, the wilderness. Well done, come on, Shannon. Right. we got there another two oh well done well done brighton okay so last question over this side how was jesus like amelia sorry i got your name wrong 
Well done. Good listening. Yeah, well done. He died on the cross to forgive all our sins. So let's see what score you get. And then I'll let you guys add it all up because I'll probably do it wrong. Oh, Manchester got an own goal. Oh, it gave one to Brighton. Brighton win 3-2. Well done. Good. <laughs> and good listening, everyone. And thank you, children, for taking part. Okay. There we are. Thank you. Thank you. So, okay. So, do you want to do some notices or shall I do some notices next? Yeah. Okay, so one notice that um, I'd like to share with you is that um, we had an offering, if you remember, for Dan and Susie so that they could buy their house in South Africa for so that the children could be settled. And um, we have, my information was we raised, with the church's offering added, 5,000 towards the house, which was excellent. And... Well, I think we added up, uh, yeah. Okay. They, we rounded it up by te £4.10p. Ten we round, rounded it up to... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. 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 I'll give you the 10p afterwards. <laughs> uh, they needed another 7000 to complete the purchase. Our 5000 gets them almost there. The remaining 2000 is not urgent to complete the purchase because it can be paid back over time. So let's give us... A brilliant. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for um, the offering. And Lord, everything belongs to you. Everything. And uh, you supply all our needs, we to, for which we are very grateful. And where we have many testimonies amongst us of how you've supplied. So bless that home, Lord, we pray for Dan and Susie Dugmore. Thank you for them, Lord. Amen. Okay, um, so um, next weekend, it's Bible by the Beach in Eastbourne. If you've never heard of it, it's down at the Congress Theatre, and it's a nationwide conference of... Uh, Christian teaching and Bible study, worship, etc., etc., and it's right on our doorstep. So you can uh, turn up and, and pay on the door, or there's a free evening next Sunday evening where anyone can go to the Congress Theatre and they're having a, a celebration for anyone. Is it? Is it? No. But anyway, um, look it up. You can, you know. Do the usual Googling and you'll find about Bible by the Beach in Eastbourne. And then, of course, Sunday the 21st of May. What happens on Sunday the 21st of May? This is for an extra goal for somebody. <laughs> yeah. Thy kingdom come at the bandstand. When? 10, 10.30 on Sunday morning. Yeah, okay, just to, just to make sure you've... All got it in your mind. Nothing here, no meeting here. We'll all be down at the bandstand on that day, meeting with other churches from Eastbourne. Yeah, if it's wet, um, King's Church. But wish. Well, if you go there and there's no one there, whiz on, whiz on down to. <laughs> okay, is there anything more to, s to share? Um, Okay, so we, ha we have a, a light lunch afterwards, after the service, uh, and our children now, it will be time for you to go to your group. So, Lord, we bless our young people and our children, and thank you for them, Lord. And uh, we do pray for those who are not here today. We pray for everyone who's not here today. Your church is everywhere, in many other church buildings, many other places, and at many other times. So we we're part of your huge family. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
Amen. Okay. We have. Here we are. Thank you, Jess. Take that. Right. Thank you. Okay. Right. Just pass the offering. Pass the offering round. Um, visitors, of course, we don't ask for any contributions, and most members uh, pay by direct debits or direct standing orders. So, um, thank you all. Right, we'll have a coffee break and then we'll ask uh, Dave and Alison to come. Now, um, our church here is, is uh, over 40 years old, coming up to being 41 years old. Um, and part of our past, these two guys have been such a blessing to us at our church. And uh, we really, it's so wonderful to see them again. Because you were local at Battle, weren't you? And then uh, moved to Medway Towns in Kent. I know that bit. Oh, well now that now in the oh that's right I remember yeah you went that's right and then okay so have you come all that way from there yeah just for us oh wow thank you Lord we are we are blessed yes yes so they obviously you can tell their musical giftings are, are wonderful but also they have uh, their you people are just wonderful people so we we really bless you and uh, thank you for coming to us so can I pray for Okay, okay, so so Lord, we give this next section to you and we do pray for our children as they're having their group. And Lord, here we are, we're here with open ears and uh, open hearts as we want to um, be in touch with you and hear what you have to say to us. Thank you, Lord. And uh, we pray a blessing on um, Alison, Lord, as she shares and cows as she reads. Amen. I've got the easy bit. This is Hebrews 6, verses 13 to 20. The certainty of God's promise. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's great. I don't know if you wanted to have one of the Bibles open, but if you do, it's page 1205, because this bit of Hebrews is very closely argued, and you find lots of puzzling things in there, and it might help with the puzzle if you've got the text, but it doesn't matter if not, that's no problem. Oh, that's great. Right. Can I make this off again? Can I turn it off again? And then when I want to like it on, I'll give you a shout. Thank you so much. Brilliant. So we're going to focus on Hebrews 7, but you might have noticed that Kaz read from Hebrews 6, because I think that when Andrew Bunt spoke with you, he finished in the middle of chapter 6, and so I was asked to speak from the middle of chapter 6 onwards. But we're basically going to look at this mysterious figure of Melchizedek. And he, as you noticed, was mentioned at the very end of chapter 6. Just a reminder, so um, I'm sure you can tell me, was, who was this letter written to? Who do they think this letter was written to? Jewish believers, thank you. And do we know what situation, how are they feeling, these Jewish be believers? Do you know? Have you talked about that before? Persecuted, yep. Yeah. 
Thank you. Thank, thank Sue, that's great. And I've got wavering written down here. Exactly that. Shall we continue to walk with the Lord Jesus or shall we go back to our Jewish roots, which were easy, rules to follow. Rules are easy, aren't they? You can just do this and do that. Well, not easy to do, but they're easy to have in front of you. So maybe it seems simpler to go back to their Jewish roots. Maybe, as you say, they wouldn't be persecuted anymore. But the writer says to them, look, don't go back. Because what you've got in Jesus is far better. It's a different plane. It's just a different world. And that's what you should be doing. You should be going forward and not um, backwards. And so now that's that slide. Thank you very much, Chloe. Um, We can have that slide up. Brilliant. So in chapter 1, we looked at Jesus, the magnificent, glorious Son of God, who's the King of Kings and so wonderful. And then in chapter 2, that he became a person. He was tempted like us. He sympathizes with us and yet was totally without sin. In chapter 3 and chapter 4, far greater than Moses. In chapter 5, far greater than the Old Testament priests. And that's something which the writer develops as he goes along. A few more chapters, he will keep on that. So chapter 6 said, press on, carry on to maturity, don't give up. And in verse 12, become imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And our text begins at verse 13. And the writer says, look, here is somebody whose faith is really strong, who was patient, who inherited promises. Abraham. And the Lord promised to Abraham descendants as many as the sand on the seashore, as the stars in the sky, and also that every family in earth would be blessed through Abraham. It's a big promise for somebody who had no children, who was nearly a hundred years old, and um, you know what was going to happen. But he pressed on, he had his child, and then God asked him to sacrifice the child. What was going to happen? And God provided a way out, and the child Isaac was fine. So it's really strong faith, wouldn't you agree? Real strong, patient faith of Abraham. It's a great example. And it says that God swore an oath to him by God himself, because God cannot swear by anything greater than himself, because he's God. Does that make sense? That's what the writer says. And the writer says God has given these great promises, huge, vast promises, and we can trust God to give them. There's Abraham. We can trust God to keep his promises. So these people who have fled to take refuge in God, as Kaz read for us, the writer says, you really can trust God. It may be tough now, but here's real strong encouragement because God is God. So far, so good. And we may find ourselves wondering about God keeping his promises to us. And throughout the talk today, you might be thinking about those promises. And I hope that what we read in these chapters will encourage you to trust, trust God. But then the writer points to a far higher level of encouragement. He points to Jesus. And he says, Jesus is like an anchor. It's an old Bryn Howarth song, reeling and rocking. Hold on to Jesus. Hold on to Jesus. Whatever the storms are like, the anchor is there. And that's what you need to know. But also, he says, Jesus is like an anchor which a climber uses. Does anybody know what it's called? When they go to the top of the mountain and they put something really strong in to hold all the ropes, has that got a name? No, I couldn't find it anywhere. Might be an I well, no, it was like a like it wasn't a crampon or anything, but something really strong, a really strong anchor. And it's he's gone up the top, you see. Jesus is like the file leader, the one who went right to the top of the mountain. He put this great stake in, as it were, and says, Now you're really safe. Come up. The view is lovely. Come up, he says. He doesn't say, Don't stay on the ground trying to follow all the rules. Climb up the mountain, as it were. Follow Jesus. He's died. He's risen again, he's in heaven, and he's like a forerunner before us. And he says here, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor for our souls, a hope that goes into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone, the forerunner. Now, I have another question for you now. What does he mean by behind the curtain? 
Yes, in the temple, that's right, and the tabernacle, there was a curtain. And this high priest, Aaron, that you heard of earlier, would go into that holy place just once a year to meet with God. And God would speak to them that in that special place, that was a special place for them, behind the curtain. And that's where Jesus is. He's our great high priest. He's there. He's praying for us. Hooray! Now, Martin spoke about that, didn't you, a few weeks ago? I heard a bit of your podcast. And that would be, it was great. And that would be, I think that would be enough for us, wouldn't it, to know that Jesus has gone up there, the anchor is there, we're safe, and he's praying for us. That's great. But don't forget that this writer is writing to a Jewish audience. And they can say, wait a minute, why is Jesus a priest? He's not from a priestly tribe. He's not a Levite. He's from the tribe of Judah. Jesus is descended from the tribe of Judah through David, you know, King David and everything. So who were the Levites? You probably know this, but let's go back to the Levites. Let's see if we can find them on here. There they are. The Levites. Abraham had a son, Isaac. His son was Jacob, and he had how many sons? Twelve. And those twelve sons, and a daughter Dinah, not to be forgotten, but he had these twelve sons, and they became the heads of the tribes of Israel. So 400 years after Abraham, Moses was leading the people of Israel, and there were these 12 tribes, and one of them was the Levites, descended from Levi. And when they were in the wilderness, camping at the bottom of Mount Sinai, Moses has gone up the mountain to receive the law from God. And the people got a bit impatient and thought, where's he gone? What's, what's going on here? And th there was a rebellion, a very serious, horrible rebellion. But one tribe of really, really zealous for the honor of God, and that was the Levites. And so God set the Levites apart forever to be the priests. So that's where the Levites come from. They were the priests. And all the actual priests had to be descended, in fact, even from Aaron himself. Now, some years later, how many years? A thousand years after Moses, the people of Israel had been into the promised land, and they'd gone away from God, and they'd gone out of the promised land into exile. And then eventually they came back under Nehemiah and Ezra. And at that time, they needed more priests. And do you know, they had to prove they really were descended from Aaron if they wanted to be priests back in the land. So it's really, really important. Their genealogical records were kept really carefully for hundreds and hundreds of years. So could Jesus be a high priest? No, he wasn't a Levite. Ah, says the writer, he has become a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Oh, that's all right then, isn't it? Well, who was Melchizedek? Now, for us, you may think the whole of chapter 7 on Melchizedek, well, it doesn't really matter. But there are some wonderful things because Melchizedek points us to Jesus. Jesus has become a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. That's why we're going to find out a bit about Melchizedek. He's mentioned in the Bible twice, once in Genesis and once in one of the Psalms. The Genesis account in chapter 14, you may have read it. If you read through the Bible occasionally, you'll have come across Melchizedek in Genesis 14. So we go back to Abraham again. Abraham had a nephew called Lot. That's right, and Lot. It's a great name, isn't it? Never call your child Lot. Anyway, he lived in the city of Sodom. That's right, which is famous for being not a good place to live. And Sodom had its own king. In fact, all the cities at the time were like a city-state. They had their own kings. And war had broken out. Five kings against four. And the king of Sodom was in the losing side. He was defeated. And so Lot and his family... And all sorts of other people were taken prisoner. Somebody told Abraham this. I love this story. 318 trained men in his house. He's got in his household, it must be, not in his house. <laughs> he set out with these 318 trained men. And they went in pursuit of the enemy. And they defeated them. And they rescued Lot and all the other people and all that they'd stolen, plus some plunder. And the king of Sodom came out to Abraham and said, thank you very much, as you would. 
But somebody else came out to meet Abraham, and that was Melchizedek. He's called the king of Salem, or the king of Jerusalem, or the king of peace. He brings bread and wine. We're not sure why. That may just have simply been a gesture of hospitality. We don't know. As well as being king, he's a priest. Now, in Israel, the kings and priests weren't mixed up. But here, he was a king and a priest. The priest of God Most High. And Melchizedek blessed Abraham, and Abraham gave him one-tenth of the plunder. And that's all we know. Now, Dave's going to come and read to us a chunk of chapter 7, 1 to 7 and 11 to 17. He's going on there. Oh, good idea. <laughs> that's great. So now Hebrews describes Melchizedek as a great man. Why does he say that? He says that because Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth of the spoils from the battle. So Abraham clearly saw Melchizedek as great. And also because Melchizedek blessed him. You've probably heard Dave say that the the superior person blesses the inferior person. That's a slightly strange thing to say. But the person who's being blessed is perhaps not as great as the person who's doing the blessing. The tenth business. He, he explains that, that um, under Moses, people had to bring a tenth of their goods to the priests. And the priests in that time were obviously from the Levites. But we won't go into that too much. You can follow it up yourself if you want to. But it basically, that Abraham was seen to be great. Melchizedek was seen to be great by Abraham. Then the writer says he resembles the Son of God, which is a quite a strange thing to say. A great man who resembles the Son of God. How? And this is puzzling. Well, he's like the Son of God because he has no father or mother or genealogy, neither beginning of days nor end of life, and he continues as a priest forever. Well, who on earth is he? Does it puzzle you? It puzzles me a lot. Some people have said maybe Melchizedek was a pre-Jesus, a pre-nativity pre, um, appearing of Jesus. So do you remember in the burning fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They looked in, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were walking around, and with them was a fourth person who looked like a son of the gods. Do you remember that? And that's thought to be Jesus pre-appearing. There are some other instances in the Old Testament where that happened. So he could have been that, maybe. But he's described as a man, a great man, who resembles the Son of God. He's not the Son of God. It says he resembles it. And some Jewish traditions claim that Melchizedek, when he was born, no one knew who his father was. And when he was born, his mother died. In fact, they, some of them even say that he was born as a, a grown-up person. Strange tradition. But, you know, there are traditions of grown-up around who Melchizedek was. But it's very unusual because if you think about the Old Testament, how many lots of genealogies do you find? If you read through, you're always finding so-and-so bore so-and-so, and they was their father, and they were their father. Melchizedek, there's no record at all of his genealogy. So we don't know where he came from, certainly not from a priestly family, and the writer of Hebrews says he continues as a priest forever. Isn't it strange? It's as though he appears. And there he is as a priest and a king of peace. And then we don't see him anymore. Now, in that sense, he resembles the Son of God because Jesus was born not of a human birth. And Jesus was raised from the dead. And Jesus lives forever. Now, Melchizedek has one more mention. Somebody might know which psalm it was. Do you know which psalm he was mentioned in? 110, that's right, which is one of the most often quoted psalms in the New Testament. It's always quoted referring to Jesus. <coughs> now, you still have to have your thinking cap on because this is also quite complicated. David is writing the psalm. He's writing about somebody who he, David, calls my Lord, and he talks about the Lord talking to my Lord. Okay? So David said, the Lord, that's God, said to my Lord, which is clearly the Messiah, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. 
the Lord has sworn and won't change his mind, you are a priest, here it is, forever in the order of Melchizedek. And the writer of Hebrews uses the psalm to explain that Jesus is a high priest appointed by God, far superior to the old Levite priests who were just human, who lived for a few years, and then someone else had to replace them. No, Jesus is a priest forever. And what qualifies him in verse 16? Can you find in verse 16 what qualifies him? Yeah, the power of an indestructible life. Jesus died, Jesus rose again, and Jesus defeated death. So he's our great high priest forever. And this argument would really have helped the Jewish Christians to think we can have Jesus as our high priest forever. What can we pick up then about this? To point to Jesus, this is the last part of the talk, and this is where it's a little bit of application for us. So first of all, Melchizedek. Melk means king. Zedek means righteousness. His name means king of righteousness. Jesus is the king. And we may look at our lives and think, like you were praying, I think, earlier, Martin, what's going on? But we know that Jesus is the king. When my kids were small, if a wasp got into the car, we used to say, who's the king? Jesus is the king. And remind ourselves not to worry about wasps in the car or anything like that that went wrong, because Jesus is king. And there may be something that worries you today about life. And you may be thinking, oh, what's going to happen? The first thing to remember is Jesus is the king. He's bringing in his kingdom, and it will have no end. The second is that he is righteous. He is good. And sometimes, again, things happen in our lives, and you think, well, is God really good? Why does he let that happen? And I remember some time ago now, reading a bit in um, which gospel? Matthew's Gospel 11, where Jesus talks to messengers from John the Baptist and says, blessed is the person who doesn't take offense at me. And I felt God was saying, don't be offended at what I allow, because he is good. And we really can trust him, and that's really important, that he is good. He's the king of kings, and he's good. Secondly, Melchizedek is the king of Salem, the king of peace. And again, that helps us to remember that Jesus brings peace. He gives us peace. He says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives my peace. And even after the resurrection, Jesus said to his friends, peace I give you. Peace be with you. There's a lovely psalm which says righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Jesus brings righteousness and peace together so that we who naturally wouldn't have peace with God have been made righteous through Jesus. And I'm sure you know that all very well, but he came to bring peace by his own blood. Because he died on the cross, he's brought peace. So he can be righteous and we can be righteous and, and reconciled to God. So you may feel you need to know that today. You may need the Lord's peace. You may need to know that he is good, he is righteous. And just one more thing for us to take away from here, which both Martin and Kaz have ref already referred to, that Jesus is a high priest in the order of Melchizedek, the priest. And the priest would minister to God on behalf of the people and minister to the people on behalf of God. In other words, he's like an intermediary and he brings us peace, but he's also praying for us. The old Levite priests had these stones on, on their shoulders and on their chests so that over their heart they had the names of the tribe of Israel, tribes of Israel. And Jesus has our name and he's praying for each of us before God the Father. And when we pray for others, we share that ministry, don't we? Which is, again, really a great privilege. So I'd like us to be able to receive from the Lord, and we're going to have some music, I think, afterwards, but maybe we should <coughs> just stand up together to receive. Let's stand if we'd like to, just to receive from God for a bit. We've got a friend in heaven's courts, this one Lord Jesus who's so magnificent and so glorious, and he wants to encourage us with his righteousness and his peace and his love. He's able to save completely. So let's just be quiet a moment 
and receive from him. We thank you, Lord, that we can trust you completely, that you are righteous and good. And just now, if you need to know that God is good, let him speak that into your heart. He is good. His heart towards you is always good. And you might like to bring to God any situation where you feel that life isn't fair or things have gone wrong, but just trust him again. Even if we can't see what he's doing, that his heart for us is good. Lord, I pray that you will teach and show all of us that truth deep in our hearts. And maybe you need to receive peace today. Jesus is the king of peace. The prince of peace. The one who brings peace. He says, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives. And Lord, we thank you that you bring peace. Please bring your peace now to any situation that's troubling us. And we thank you for the reassurance that you are always interceding, always praying for us. You are right there in heaven's court. And we thank you for your wonderful love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Hand over to, to Dave for a song and, and others if you want to come and share everything in terms of ministry. I feel the Lord would want to, as we stand and as the musicians keep playing, he wants to put the weight of his glory upon you that we are clothed in the robe of, robe of righteousness, but sometimes we have a feeling that it is flimsy and lightweight, more like chiffon than a cloak of righteousness. And this morning, I believe he wants to place upon our shoulders the weight of his glory, the weight of his presence. has substance it is something that is felt it is something that is permanent it will not blow away it will not fall off it's his presence within his Holy Sp Spirit within that retains that cloak it's not what we do we stand and we bear it's a gift to receive and the Lord would place his hand heavily on your shoulder you are my child in you I delight. It's time to put that burden down because it's not yours to carry anymore. I don't know who that's for, but I feel very strongly a sense of the spirit telling me that. So if that's you, it's not yours to carry anymore. Put it down. Jesus, I pray for release for that person. Amen. Mm. Also the cloak, the cloak of, uh, of dignity, uh, the cloak of authority. 
And I think what God is saying through that is stand up. Stand up and be strong because I have put in you my dignity. I have put on you my authority. Don't write yourself off. Don't consider yourself to be a lesser person. Don't walk with your shoulders bowed down. Walk tall in my presence. Not because of who you are, but because of who I have made you to be. As Christ is an, a great high priest after the order of Melchizedek, so we have been uh, added into Christ. We walk in that same priesthood ourselves. It's a, a rise up word. It's a stand up word. It's a take your stand word. So may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you as the Prince of Shalom, his Shalom, now and forever. Amen. Amen.